Kimmel and CNN embarrassed themselves once again. The UAP PSYOP is back. And Fannie Willis corruption exposed. This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Good morning, everyone. I'm live from the deck of the Enterprise, as you can see. And I hope everyone is having a fantastic morning. Let's dive right in. Top story. The Aaron Rodgers... Jimmy Kimmel War of Words continues as Kimmel for the second time, and it might have been back-to-back nights, definitely second time in less than a week, has used his monologue on his show to go on a joke-free diatribe about how he's not a pedophile. He promises you he's not a pedophile, and he also reiterated how he'll sue Aaron Rodgers the NFL quarterback, if he keeps making statements that Kimmel says implies that maybe he's a pedophile. It should be noted that the comments that Aaron Rodgers made on ESPN's Pat McAfee, McAfee show, I believe is what it's called. He never said that Kimmel was a pedo. He said in what appeared to be joking fashion that it's clear that Kimmel doesn't want the Epstein files to come out, or or the Epstein list is the way that he put it. And he kind of threw Kimmel's name. There's a lot of people who don't want the files to come out, including Jimmy Kimmel. And this is a response that Aaron Rodgers made to Kimmel because Kimmel's been mocking and making fun, smearing Aaron Rodgers for two years now since their COVID-fueled rivalry began. Now, after five minutes of really just whining like a little bitch, excuse my language, and then threatening to sue Aaron Rodgers again, Kimmel then explained to us why what he does when he lies about Trump repeatedly and others, how that's completely different and completely okay than what Aaron Rodgers did on ESPN a few days ago. I'm going to let you hear from Kimmel himself why he did nothing wrong and what Aaron Rodgers did is just so freaking awful and evil. Let me get my clip teed up here. And here we go. So there's Kimmel telling us why and telling us what's different between what he does when he lies and what Aaron Rodgers did. And as far as the, well, you say things about people all the time argument goes, yes, I do. It's not the same. It's not even close to the same. We say a lot of things on this show. We don't make up lies. In fact, we have a team of people who work very hard to sift through facts and reputable sources before I make a joke. And that's an important distinction, a joke about someone, even when that someone is Donald Trump, even a person (laughs) who lies from the minute he wakes up until the minute he's smearing orange makeup on his MyPillow at night. Deserves that consideration, and we give it to him because the truth still matters. And when I do get something wrong, which happens on rare occasions, you know what I do? I apologize for it, which is what Aaron Rodgers should do, which is what a decent person would do, but I bet he won't. If he does, you know what I'll do? I'll accept his apology and move on, but he probably won't do that. My guess is he won't apologize. I hope I'm wrong. That's how I think it will go. And I know you guys here in this audience, most if not all of you are on my side. 
And I appreciate that. And I appreciate all that. They probably only let people in who are on his side. They probably do an ideological test before people can come into his show. And do you remember the last time Jimmy Kimmel has apologized for anything? I don't. I don't watch his show a lot. Maybe I missed it. But my real hope, the reason I even bring this up is because I hope the many, many decent people out there who Mm. vote conservative or whatever you want to call what goes on now, I don't see anything conservative about any of it. But to those of you who are part of that, I want to say this, and I hope you'll, you'll listen and give it a little bit of consideration. If you are a member of a group that think it's okay to randomly call someone a child molester because you don't like what that person has to say, maybe you should rethink being a part of that group. Does Kimmel not do that same thing on a regular basis? I I think he does. I also want to say congratulations to Aaron Rodgers, who has done the impossible. He made the New York Jets look even worse. Okay, so there you go. Sorry, that's uh, the clip I'm going to play you in a second. By the way, Aaron Rodgers just won Teammate of the Year, which is an award that the uh, that New Jersey, not New Jersey, the the Jets, excuse me, that they give out every single year. His teammates said, even though he got injured at the beginning of the year, he came around, was the best teammate they had, and they gave him this award. And Kimmel is smearing him again, defending himself. And, and Kimmel says that it's different when he tells these or makes these statements. One, because it's a joke, which Aaron Rodgers said what he said was a joke. Two, because Kimmel has a team of fact checkers. So the late night show has a team of fact checkers that confirm for him that the Russian dossier is, is, is true and that confirm for him that Trump said or told people to inject bleach in, into their veins to get rid of COVID and that Trump said that the neo-Nazis are good, good fine people. So all of those things his fact checkers helped him with, yet they were all lies. I mean, this is embarrassing. This is, this is very embarrassing for Jimmy Kimmel. And he seems very desperate here to me. I, I want to let you hear what Aaron Rodgers did. Because Aaron Rodgers, you know, whatever you think about him, Aaron Rodgers is sometimes saying the, the, the right things when it comes to standing up against this authoritarian BS that it, Jimmy Kimmel is backed by. And in this circumstance, he absolutely is. And he doesn't back down at all. He doesn't give that apology. That was almost like a threat, wasn't it? Jimmy Kimmel said, if you apologize to me, it's okay. I mean, was he a mobster up there? Not even telling jokes during his monologue, just threatening Aaron Rodgers. Here is Aaron Rodgers explaining the history of the Jimmy Kimmel, Aaron Rodgers uh, feud. And, And that's relevant in this circumstance because Aaron Rodgers didn't start this. Jimmy Kimmel did. And I think that, Anybody who listens to this show will be just as pissed off about how he started it as Aaron Rodgers was. Here he is on the Pat McAfee show, not not backing down at all. Good for him. Of this, whatever this is between Jimmy and I, this goes back to COVID times, right? And in COVID times, he mentioned on his show uh, jokes about my uh, immunization, which I know you, you also made a little joke about it. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into that whole thing. That's I've talked many times about that, but I made a joke about that. Uh, you know, uh, and the fact that you know my own research. He didn't just stop there, though. You know, he he, he made a lot of other comments about uh, unvaccinated people, 
mentioning that they don't deserve treatment. Uh, if they're at a hospital, uh, they shouldn't be given a hospital bed. Uh, he made comments about uh, true. repurposed drugs that were being used all over the world that have incredible safety profiles um, that uh, that were derogatory. Uh, he, uh, you know, mentioned uh, ivermectin being horse-based and pushed that whole narrative for a long time. He gave a platform to one of the biggest uh, spreaders of misinformation during the COVID times, Dr. Fauci. Amen. Um, so, in my opinion, Jeez. you know, he ripped me about ripped me about the vax, and and that turns out to be an L on on many occasions because the vax was not safe and effective, like we were told that it was in the beginning. Uh, there are a lot of injuries now that we've seen related to the vaccine. So in my opinion, you went after me. That's fine. You're a comedian. Go for it. Not offended. But that, that was an L. He's right. That, that, that was an L on Jimmy Kimmel's part. And Jimmy Kimmel is never going to admit that. Neither is any of the mainstream media. They might slowly start to question it. At least the anchors who propagated it when they go to other networks. Or they get fired or let go like Don Lemon, which we'll get to in a moment. But Aaron Rodgers is absolutely right. Who's handling that situation better, in your opinion? Jimmy Kimmel throwing a fit? Aaron Rodgers saying, take some shots at me. I'm taking a shot back at you. Now, his statement here was much longer. It was about eight, eight nine minutes long, and I, I cut it down. So you didn't get a lot of what he said there. But he goes on here to just clearly emphasize, and this is what I pointed out the other day, Jimmy Kimmel makes very specific allegations against Donald Trump specifically, but others as well, that are very defamatory. Now, Donald Trump is a public figure, so are many of the other people that he attacks. And defamation law, it's a little different for public figures than it is for people who aren't considered public figures, but that line is is getting muddy with the influencer a community that has kind of uh, arisen the past few years. But nevertheless, Jimmy Kimmel is very specific about his lies, and his lies uh, are very easily disprovable. He says all the time, in fact, I played a clip the other day in a show that I titled The Bleach in Your Veins Lie is Back because Jimmy Kimmel started his monologue off by talking about how Trump told people at one time to inject bleach into their veins which he actually never did. And it's very provable when you watch the video and what Trump was talking about. He didn't say those words. He didn't say bleach at all. And he wasn't talking about bleach. He was talking about an actual treatment that had just been approved by the FDA that he had been told about before this press conference. And yet that was spun into this fiction, this lie that has continued to propagate for years. And yet you tell people that and you show them the video and they say, yeah, 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 but, but this other thing and the other thing often turns out to be a lie too. Anyway, the point is Aaron Rodgers comment about Kimmel was not specific. It was very general. There's no court action that can be taken. It's such a joke that Kimmel is doing that, which is why it seems to me like Kimmel is actually saying, and I am trying to read minds a little bit here the same way Kimmel was reading minds about what, Aaron Rodgers meant in his previous statement, like a threat, like Kimball saying, yeah, I'm not on the Epstein list, but I have the power of the people of the Epstein list behind me. And if you keep doing this, something's going to happen to you. I, I, I don't know. That's kind of what it seems like to me 
with Kimmel. Kimmel, excuse my language, earmuff. I'll give you a three-second advance on the earmuff. Jimmy Kimmel is a pussy. Here is Aaron Rodgers explaining, doubling down, what he said and not apologizing for it at all on ESPN's Pat. And I said that a lot of people, and I'm quoting myself here, a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't come out. End quote. That's what I said. That's That's the entire quote. Okay? I was referring to the fact that if there is a list, which, again, this hasn't come out yet. This was just a deposition, right? And there are names on it. And that would be the second time that a soft brain junior college student. These are the insults that Jimmy Kimmel makes about Aaron Rodgers. You know, wacko, anti-vax, anti-Semite, purveyor, spreader of misinformation, conspiracy theorist, MAGA, whatever other things have been said by him and other people in the media would be right twice. So saying that he was right about the COVID thing and, or the vaccine stuff. And so you might not remember, but Rogers got a whole bunch uh, of negative media coverage because he didn't get vaccinated during the, the COVID season. And he got a lot of pressure. He saw people lose their jobs. Like, so in the NFL, they have people who make a career out of being essentially uh, practice players. Like you can become a practice player uh, and make some money. And look, that's a great job. You're getting to play football, a sport you love, whether you're not on the field during the big game, still you're playing football for a living. But a lot of these people, these roster decisions, and Rogers talked about this in, in interviews, uh, uh, people were cut and they lost their livelihood because they didn't get vaccinated when, in his opinion, and he's a really great quarterback, and nobody's doubting that. These players were far better than some of the others who, who made the team. But the others were vaccinated. They were not vaccinated. And he talks a lot in this interview about the, the small businesses that were affected. And he it just talks about how He's a conspiracy. He's never been a MAGA, so he calls him a MAGA, but he says it's okay to be a MAGA. He doesn't care. He, he's, he embraces being a conspiracy theorist, and he says the conspiracy theorist community has been very correct on a lot of things in the past couple of years, and he's right about that. It's not just the past couple of years, past couple of decades. It's just never really acknowledged, but I, I think it's interesting that this platform, this is ESPN, and Pat McAfee, the guy on the, I don't know, the left of the screen with the sky background, so he used to be a kicker in the NFL, and he's got this really popular show on ESPN. And he initially came out and apologized for what Rogers said the other day. Not a full apology, but he was like, I'm sorry. He shouldn't let him say that. And that's why he brought Rogers back on. But then there was this Cat Williams interview with, was it Shannon Sharp? I think it was another football player. I think it might have been Shannon Sharp. And Cat Williams started talking about how somebody that he worked for pissed him off. I don't know who it was, but he he wasn't taking any trash from his employer. And so Pat McAfee here came out, started talking trash about ESPN. And maybe this is all big PR stunt to drive up ratings. It's quite possible. It's driving up ratings for ESPN, definitely. Although his show's already highly rated. Now, Kimmel, I don't know if it's driving up ratings, but maybe making his video views count higher. But these three dudes on screen here, 
I have a feeling Pat McAfee could get deplatformed, to be honest with you. If he weren't the most popular show on ESPN, he already would have been deplatformed. But he has talked UFOs. He has questioned the vaccine. He's had guests on that, that have done that. Not just Aaron Rodgers, but others as well. He's had congressmen and women on. They've questioned them. Although this guy on the right here, who looks like a character from Kim, the program is what he looks like. He looks like the, the guy who puts makeup all over his face and roids out on the program. I've never heard this guy say one word on the right. It's always got this zoomed in, you know, photo, like headshot of his face. And the guy is jacked. I've never heard him say a word, but I have a feeling that this show could get deplatformed. It is good. I think though, that guys like this professional athletes are questioning stuff. Uh, these are the people you want on your side if there were to be some sort of conflict breakout. You don't want Jimmy Kimmel on your side. Jimmy Kimmel's a earmuss. Jimmy Kimmel's a pussy. And so after this happened, and in my opinion, Aaron Rodgers clearly dominated this whole interaction. He didn't whine like a bitch like Jimmy Kimmel did. He didn't hide behind fake applause from an audience that probably had to get COVID checked before they came inside and wear masks. He, he said, make fun of me. It's fine, but I'm going to make fun of you back. And he was not near as defamatory as Kimmel was. And yet Kimmel's a little bitch. And, and so this is how CNN, and I happened to catch this clip of CNN on my cell phone. So the audio is not great, but this is how CNN reported this story in which I think Kimmel looked like the obvious bitch and Aaron Rodgers won, but this is how CNN reported it. Right, twice. Aaron Rodgers was uh, once again peddling all sorts of conspiracy theories and nonsense on ESPN when he uh, came and responded to Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, he was talking about how vaccines supposedly cause injuries, which of course is, is uh, something rejected by the medical community. Did you guys know that? Did you guys know that vaccines causing injuries, that that notion has been rejected by the medical community? Because we could pull up right now on Google Scholar a number of vaccine adverse side effects from the COVID vaccine. You can tell, let me play that again. Because you can tell how he hesitates in the middle of that, that he recognizes that he said the wrong thing. I mean, he said something that's completely false that even people who are on his side don't ever say. Nobody ever says, it's, we reject the notion that the vaccines cause any injuries whatsoever. They always acknowledge at least rare injuries. Now, it doesn't go beyond that for them. But he went, I mean, th this is the type of statement right here that if Aaron Rodgers made, that somebody like Jimmy Kimmel would threaten to sue him for because it's so blatantly false. Not that Aaron Rodgers' comment was blatantly false, although everything Jimmy Kimmel says is typically pretty false. But listen to this. Guy. And this is a guy that got Alex Jones uh, kicked off. So his job at CNN, he was Brian Stelter's underling, uh, Oliver Darcy is, and, or he was anyway. And he took over Stelter's show, so to speak. Uh, what was it called? It was called Reliable Sources. They no longer have the Reliable Sources show, but they have the Reliable Sources newsletter that he, Oliver Darcy, is ahead of. And Oliver Darcy's job has been for years to try and deplatform people who disagree or question the mainstream agenda. That's all he does. 
People think Alex Jones got deplatformed because of Sandy Hook. He didn't. He got deplatformed because Oliver Darcy was outside of a hearing, of a First Amendment hearing, I think, at Congress. And Alex Jones saw him and he started calling him a rat, which he is a rat. He's a piece of trash. And that's why they deplatformed Alex Jones. They said he was being, he was bullying, he was abusing. And this is the bully on screen here. This is the abuser. He gets paid to do that. He's a propagandist. Hear him again claiming and watch him hesitate that even doctors say that the vaccine causes no injury. Aaron Rodgers was uh, once again peddling all sorts of conspiracy theories and nonsense on ESPN when he uh, came and responded to Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, he was talking about how vaccines supposedly cause injuries, which of course is is uh, something rejected by the medical community. <laughs> is it rejected by the and medical community? I mean, what a statement to make. What a statement. Imagine Fox News making a statement so wrong, so provably wrong, or Trump saying something so provably wrong. Everybody would jump on it and they would talk about it for weeks on end. Oliver Darcy goes on CNN and I watched a little bit more of that segment and film all of it. The anchor did not follow that up with a question of, hey, some, I mean, there are some vaccine side effects. They didn't even acknowledge the some vaccine side effects, which every vaccine has. They just went on to double down on how bad Aaron Rodgers is, how MAGA Aaron Rodgers is, and how evil it is to question anything Dr. Fauci or Jimmy Kimmel says. They were flabbergasted that ESPN would allow such a person on their network. And that is what Oliver Darcy's job is. His job has now become to try and deplatform Aaron Rodgers from ESPN. That is something that I think that we'll see in the next few months. I, I don't know that it'll happen because Pat McAfee is the biggest show on ESPN. ESPN sucks. Earmuffs. I'm going to say some foul language. ESPN sucks dick, okay? And the only show kind of keeping them afloat, from what I can tell, is Pat McAfee's show. And if they get rid of Pat McAfee, I, I think Pat McAfee, if ESPN said, we're going to get rid of your show if you keep bringing Aaron Rodgers on. I, I think Pat McAfee might say, go F yourself and go do a show maybe with X or independently where he can do what he wants. Because he did express a lot of frustration with his boss, whom he said was trying to sabotage his show recently. And that's the thing. That's what's interesting about the situation. It's sports crossing over into politics and culture in a very kind of impactful way. And athletes, a lot of you guys probably played sports. They have a camaraderie, camaraderie uh, often, you know, you know, especially when they feel like there's a group of people trying, looking down on them or, or thinking they can control them or calling them dumb in general because they play sports. And, and I don't know a lot about this Pat McAfee guy. His name is Pat. I know, I know it's McAfee, but I, I don't know a ton about him. But from what I've learned about him, he seems to be a guy, he's a former player who is going to side with his, you know, his teammates. He's not going to side with the guys in suits. And if ESPN said, get rid of Rodgers, I have a feeling he'll say, screw you. 
I hope that happens. I hope they try and deplatform him and they see what happens. I think all of these operations are collapsing. I, I think they're desperate. And I think there's another story that shows their desperation. This is how so USA Today and some other outlets covered this whole Aaron Rodgers Kimmel feud going on. And USA Today began their story, which they, like, so they titled their story this. They said, Aaron Rodgers attacking Jimmy Kimmel and Epstein List feud is page out of MAGA playbook. That's the title of the USA Today story covering this little interaction. And the, the, the article, this is how it opens. It says this. Here's a fun fact. New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers played his college ball at Trump University School of Rhetorical Cowardice. That's the opening of the article. This is a USA Today news article that opens with, here's a fun fact, New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers played his college ball at Trump University of Rhetorical Cowardice. And then it says, okay, that's not a fact per se, but it is a reasonable assumption. Rodgers followed up his dangerous defaming of late night of late night host Jimmy Kimmel, dangerous defaming. They always say that dangerous, dangerous. Anybody who says stuff like that so routinely is clearly the, the dangerous one, not to use their language, but give me a break. It's just so childish. It's like you're talking to a, a seven-year-old going, that's very dangerous, very, very dangerous for you, for you to be around that dangerous, dangerous person. I mean, it's almost like a reverse psychology at least when people get to be teenagers. I don't know. People think these techniques work, I think, because I think a lot of these journalists think that they are better than everybody. I think they went to college at these schools that are uh, expensive, maybe Ivy League, some of them. And then they get out and they think, I'm smarter than everybody else. And these people are stupid. And I'm not going to listen to these stupid people. And they're very, very dangerous. And I am going to insist to people that I communicate with that they are dangerous by repeating that word. And saying the exact same thing that the that my email tells me with my activist talking points I get. Because this is what they're repeating. I mean, it, this idiot is repeating the same thing Indivisible sends me every other day. It pisses me off, but it also makes me, you know, feel a little bit of comfort at how stupid some of these people are. Although I do feel bad about how brain controlled they are. I'll get back to it. It says, okay, that's not a fact per se, but it is reasonable assumption. Rogers followed up his dangerous defaming of late night host Jimmy Kimmel last week. The, the supposed athlete, the supposed athlete, they called him. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. What an idiot. The supposed athlete absurdly suggested that Kimmel was on Jeffrey Epstein's list of associates by refusing to apologize and claiming his words didn't mean what they clearly meant, and then blaming the media while playing the victim. He's a supposed athlete. How many Super Bowls? How many Super Bowls has he won? How many, how many MVPs has he won? They call everything MAGA. Everything they disagree with, they try to rope under the MAGA thing, the domestic terrorism thing. And as I said, Roger said, I, I've never been part of the MAGA movement. He did say, not that there's, like, like Seinfeld, he said, not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And then he clarified his words. 
But you have these cucks over here at the USA Today siding with Jimmy Kimmel. It's like they think that their career depends on siding with Jimmy Kimmel. Like there's nothing outside of this structure. Like they're clinging on for dear life. That would actually explain a lot if a lot of these people in media feel like the structure built right now, this that's been around for a while, the Mockingbird structure. You know, there was there was Operation Mockingbird where the CIA infiltrated the news networks and manipulated them covertly. We are now living in the era of Mockingbird 2.0, where the networks just say, come on in, CIA, and manipulate us overtly. We want to be manipulated because you pay us the most money is the era of Mockingbird that we're in right now. And these people, I, I think, feel like if this structure collapsed, the system that has provided them their income for survival goes away and they had to fend for themselves using their skills that they wouldn't know what to do. I think job security is why we see articles like this. I think people like this person who wrote this article, who by the looks of them, this picture next to the, uh, the, the whatever the line is where they put the author's uh, author's name looks like a they them looks like a, a pronoun guy or girl or they or they be look so this is a person who is terrified of being able to figure stuff out on on their own look that's scary i i don't that that's actually you know thinking about that as as i uh as I talk about it, that's actually something that, that can absolutely keep people continuing to do the same thing that they've always done. And in this case, this person ha has gotten an assignment from his editor or whoever, and the editor's gotten the narrative propaganda line that must be distributed to the local uh, news uh, under the guise of being grassroots, which all, most of these local news outlets are controlled through the Google News Initiative, they're, they're being funneled money. The AJC is, uh, Miami Herald, most of the local news outlets, I'm doing air quotes, are just CNN local. They might have a little bit of local news that differs because you can't get the local news nationally, but the, the, the national news and the, and the foreign news, foreign war news, always the same. And this person is terrified of being able to make it on their own. You know, somebody needs to tell, that would be a great way, I don't know how to do it, but a great way to break all, all of the control mechanisms that these people like Kim will have over local news journalists is to just have a beer with them and, re, and, and talk to them and evaluate the skills that they have because they do have skills. They have a lot of skills but they're just being manipulated and channeled in the wrong direction and, and let them know that they're not helpless and that there's lots of people that would pay them for their skills and services that would not require them to uh, earmuffs suck the dick of the devil in order to make a living. That's what they think right now. Some of them. <laughs> I just think they're desperate. I think I think that I think Aaron Rodgers dominated this whole little interaction and good for him. Like good for him. So let's move on to the next story. 
I intended to spend five minutes on that story. I spent 30 minutes on it. I'm getting better. Usually it would have been like 45 minutes an hour. Because I'm trying to control. Because I get, I get so excited about some of this stuff. I know a lot of people might say Aaron Rodgers might be controlled opposition. Everybody who has influence is a target for controlled opposition. That That's without question. But when people say and do things that are beneficial towards freedom and liberty, I'm going to point it out and praise it. So great job, Aaron Rodgers. Go F yourself and fold up and roll down a big hill. Jimmy Kimmel, you're terrible. Jimmy Kimmel's terrible. Next story. Does Fanny... Does the lawyer who Fannie Willis hired, the Fulton County District Attorney, does the lawyer who Fannie Willis hired to prosecute Trump in Fulton County have a history of touching Willis's Fannie? Well, according to a motion that was filed on Monday down in Fulton County in Georgia, where I live, that, that's what the, the motion seems to imply. Uh, the motion alleges that Fannie Willis, and this is the the conspiracy case, the the big, uh, um, the the gangster case that they're trying to charge Trump against with uh, manipulating the election. What's it called? It, we'll get to it in the article in a second. But but it's the uh, uh, what do they call that? Racketeering. It's a racketeering case, is what it is. It's a ridiculous. So the racketeering case is like it's a case that's full of a bunch of evidence that's not really evidence. It's so-and-so tied their shoe. They were seen tying their shoe across the street. And that was clearly an overt act that intended to signal to someone in a hotel on floor three, on the other side of the street, that they were doing some sort of uh, uh, suppression or manipulation or lie. They were spreading a lie through these signals. And therefore, this is a conspiracy. So, so racketeering is a bunch of acts that aren't actually directly evidence of any crime, but by the story that can be woven by whoever the prosecutor is, if they can weave a story that you know pinpoints all these actions together and, and makes some sort of sense, then they can say a crime was being committed and therefore all these people should be in jail. And that, that's what this, this charge is here. And the motion that was filed early this week in Fulton County it alleges that Fannie Willis hired a romantic partner of hers to prosecute Trump and that she also financially benefited from doing so. It's very interesting, and I, I haven't really seen a good defense for this filing yet. It says here in the AJC, I can put it up on the screen actually, that the bombshell filing, hold on, let me show it to you guys. So this is the AJC reporting this, and the AJC is, does not, they, they are very much against anything Trump. So the fact that they're reporting it this way makes me think it's even worse than they actually say it is. There's a headline and there's the, you see Fannie Willis and you see her, her guy there, allegedly her lover. And I don't know who this person is. I don't know if there's a three-way going on, but the bombshell public filing alleged that special prosecutor Nathan Wade is this guy, a private attorney. He paid for lavish vacations that he took with Willis using Fulton County funds that he received, that his law firm received. The county records show that Wade, who has played a prominent role in the election interference case, has been paid nearly $654,000 in legal fees since January of 2022. The district attorney, who is Fannie Willis, is the one who authorizes 
his compensation. So he's paying them, and then he's taking her on lavish vacations, is the accusation. The motion filed on behalf of defendant Michael uh, Roman, who was a former Trump campaign official. This is a guy who they accused in the so-called fake elector scheme, which fake elector is a made-up word. The process they went through is actually one that has been gone through before, like 50, 60 years ago. I don't, I'm not, I can't bring up the details right now. Garland, Favri, Garland Favrito has explained it in great detail on the show before. It's not a, a fake elector thing. The media made that up. But this is the case that this, that, uh, this guy who uh, he's being charged as being a part of that scheme. He's the one who filed this motion. And he seeks to have in this motion the charges against Roman dismissed and for Willis, Wade, and the entire DA's office to be disqualified from further prosecution on the case. <laughs> well, what's crazy is that it's so obvious that they should be disqualified. I mean, this isn't the only controversial, you know, smoke that you see around Fannie Willis. And she should be able to have her day also. Due diligence, we should assume innocent until proven guilty. But when she's the one who decides who gets prosecuted, it's kind of hard to actually prosecute her. And, and, and when you read news around Atlanta, you look at the archives around Atlanta, Fannie Willis is not an honest person. She's never been an honest person. She's been a person who's been out for power. She's been an opportunistic, uh, a manipulative, uh, power-hungry person is, is what the story of her tells you when you look into it. Now, a spokesperson for Fannie said, that the district attorney's office will respond to Roman's allegations through appropriate court filings. Of course, Wade did not uh, immediately respond to the comment. Thank you. You'll clap when I'm gone for the tip. I appreciate that. Uh, the, you'll clap when I'm gone reminds me of what Bobby Knight said years ago about you can bury him face down so everybody can kiss his ass. It cracks me up. I appreciate that. So I already got that. Uh, the filings allege that Willis and Wade have been involved in a romantic relationship that began before Wade was appointed special prosecutor. And it says that they traveled together to the Napa Valley and to Florida and they cruised the Caribbean together using tickets that Wade purchased from Norwegian and Royal uh, Caribbean cruise lines using money that Fannie Willis authorized his payment for. Very, very, very sweet little operation they got going there. Fannie has a very expensive Fannie, is what it seems like to me. The motion said that checks sent to Wade from Fulton County and his subsequent purchase of vacations for Willis could amount to honest services fraud, which is a federal crime in which a vendor gives kickbacks to an employer. It's also possible that this could be prosecuted under the federal racketeering statute, according to the motion. That would be so funny. So, so funny. If, if Fannie Willis, who's trying to prosecute Trump under these, but looks, I, I've never voted for Trump. I tell people that, but I did go to law school. And these accusations and these charges against him and these indictments are so bogus. It's such an unbelievable abuse of the justice system. It would just be so ironic to see this woman who is abusing the justice system. She's obviously getting some sort of compensation from something. 
uh, I'm not going to say George Soros, but somewhere. If she got charged with the same thing, it's such a bogus, bogus. I've never seen so. I've read a lot. I mean, a lot of indictments. I've never seen one so bogus. The motion, make sure we're in the right spot here. The motion also said that the issue had to be raised. So it was defending saying we had to raise this issue because it, it, it needed to be heard because the issue strikes at the heart of fairness in our justice system. And if it were left unaddressed and unchecked, it would threaten to taint the entire prosecution of the case and by error and completely undermine public confidence in any outcome in this proceeding. Now, before moving on to the rest of the article, I will say that that description might be exactly what the powers that be, as they call them, want to cause. I mean, I think chaos and division is part of the Great Reset playbook. And I think a, a broader part of the Great Reset playbook is to turn America against itself and cause it to fall, to weaken on the global stage, to even out the playing field. I mean, this, to me anyway, and I've read all of the Klaus Schwab books. I told a story many times about how I had one of my Klaus Schwab Great Reset books on my table, and then I went to the grocery store, and I came back, and I, I, went, I saw the book, and right on the book was urine because apparently my dog had jumped on the table and peed directly onto the Klaus Schwab book. Good boy. Good boy is what I told him. But I, I, everything that these books and, and these World Economic Forum things and the Chatham House, the International Global Affairs and the Brookings Institute, all these think tanks that I've played so many clips of from, from their conversations they've had, they all seem to want to bring America down a, a couple notches. And this to me kind of, kind of plays into that. So if Trump were prosecuted, right? And let's say Fannie Willis, nothing is done about this. Can you imagine that? We already have a situation up in New York with this fraud trial where the judge has made open statements about how he doesn't like Trump, how he is known for never listening to what juries say and just making the, the decision on his own and, and how he has private counsel sessions with his uh, clerk who is has a history of trying to be a Democrat politician. And the clerk is given the power to, to interrupt Trump's lawyer. I mean, it's, it's the wildest thing. Like if anybody who's a lawyer and who reads the details of what's gone on in the New York case. It's, it's nothing you've ever seen before. Nothing. I've asked, uh, like I said, I went to law school. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, but I, but I went to law school, so I have a little bit of understanding of it. And I've talked to a lot of people who are active lawyers, and I've explained the situation to them, and it shocks every one of them that this is allowed to happen. So you have these blatant abuses of power being displayed to all of us, right? Now, tack on this one right here, if this is what they're trying to do, and maybe it is, that the person prosecuting Trump for the most obvious bogus charges you've ever seen in your life is banging the guy who she hired to be the prosecutor. 
and he's using that money to take her on vacations around the world. This type of thing is what you do if you're trying to pull the strings up top, Klaus Schwab, uh, trying to cause internal division. Right? It's like, how can we maximize uh, conflict between certain sects of people in the United States? And this type of thing, if this is not stopped, would absolutely contribute to that. And you look around, there's a lot of other things. So maybe that's what's going on here. Like, I, I'm happy that they're exposing her because I've known she's been corrupt for a while. It's just hard to communicate that because I live in Georgia to, to the broader audience. I'm glad to see her corruption as being the lights being shined on it, but might be strategic. Might be strategic. My my only thing to say about that is like everybody has to realize what's going on. Like if everybody somehow realized that this was a divide and conquer strategy, that everything we see in the news is a divide and conquer strategy designed to weaken all of us so that they could subject all of us to whatever this new world order that Klaus and all these World Economic Forum people want to implement with a great reset. If we all recognized it, then it would be impossible for them to do that. We would maintain our freedom and, and control of our own lives. You know, there's some people who will say, well, I trust, I, I don't know why anybody would trust the government, honestly. Some people still claim that they do. And I would challenge them. If they've ever lived in an HOA, some people haven't. But if you think that global control over countries and, and states and, and locales is not going to be subject to corruption, like if you think their decisions aren't going to be a little bit biased towards them and their power and against like not even a concern about us. Like if you, if, if you just trust them, then I, I challenge anybody to look at what becoming a member of an HOA board does to a person. There's nothing more local than your neighborhood HOA board. And I'm not saying that everybody on the HOA board is corrupt. What I'm saying is that I have covered so many stories over the past year and years about these HOAs that someone gets a little bit of power and they just go wild with it. And it ends up in a lawsuit and it ends up in everybody hating each other and it ends up people with their houses have a lien and, and, and it's just, it's awful. And I know people. In fact, I know people who used to fight the HOA with me, and I fought many HOAs because I do not like corruption. Like I, I, you can say a lot about me, but I, I, like I will fight corruption wherever I see it. I hate it. I hate it. It doesn't make me any money. It makes me no money, but it pisses me off. And I will fucking side with you to, to, to take down some, some MFers. I'm pretty good at it. But, but I've seen somebody who, who has joined me in an effort to do that, become an HOA member and turn into the very thing that we opposed. And I I see how it happened. And I I see it wasn't this person's fault. It, It was the fact they didn't know what they're doing. And there was another person who came in 
that they had to deal with that lie. It was better, better at understanding this than them. And they manipulated them and compromised them on a smaller level, not like they do in Washington, but they compromised them and they, they instilled fear into them and made them think they had to go along with their scheme. Otherwise everybody would uh, revolt when the reality is the person who was lying to them had they just said, hey, this person's saying this to me, everybody would have been on their side. And I think government works the same way. It's a, I think they compromise a little bit more of a dirtier level up there, obviously. But uh, they, they do nothing but try and compromise and make people feel like they are trying to survive. And that they're, they try and kick in those survival instincts and shut down the thinking brains. And we have to resist that. If we were able to resist that and recognize that and stop fighting with each other, as soon as they said a trigger word that we disagree with, then all of their empire of control would collapse. It would absolutely crumble under that MFR Klaus Schwab's feet. All of them, it would be over. It's up to us. It is up to us. And we have the power. It's not really where I intended to go with the show today, but it is where I went and I will continue to finish up the show though. So back to the Fonnie Willis and Fonnie Willis might be a good person for all I know, who ended up in these situations where she was able to rise in her career by selling people out like Stacey Abrams did. And I've proven that over and over again, nothing but a sellout and a liar, a liar. No, nobody, no, nobody suppresses or oppresses black people more than Stacey Abrams. I've proven that multiple times on my show. Nobody's more of a racist against black people than Stacey Abrams. And I'm starting to think that Fannie Willis is the same way. It says here that Willis and Wade have been engaged in an improper clandestine personal relationship during the pendency of the case, which has resulted in the special prosecutor and in turn, the district attorney profiting significantly from prosecution at the expense of the taxpayers. It just pisses me off. All of these con artists are ripping all of us off all the time. Roman's filing also resurfaces an accusation previously made against Wade. That's her lover. The prosecutor she hired. That his two oaths of office were not filed in court prior to his work on the case. So he misrepresented himself as a, as an authorized special prosecutor. So he didn't file the thing on time and he was misrepresenting himself. And this is no surprise to me. I pointed this out a long time ago, but judge Scott McAfee rejected this argument about F Fannie Willis's appointed his, her lover and her appointed prosecutor about him not properly filing his work. Scott McAfee, who, who rejected the claim that he was not properly uh, filing his stuff and he misrepresented himself, Scott McAfee used to work. This is the judge overseeing the case uh, in Fulton County, the Trump case. Scott McAfee worked underneath Fannie Willis at the district attorney's office in Fulton County. He, he reported to her. She gave him orders. And now he is the judge overseeing the, the Trump racketeering case, while the prosecutor getting paid all that money, spending it on her as her lover, at least according to this accusation. 
they, how does this not make people who, who even if you hate Trump, how does that ma- not make you say, man, this is some sort of like true crime story if I've ever seen one? I mean, this is crazy. And, and what's wild about it, what's really wild about it is, and maybe this is how it's always been, but they're able to get as far as they are and get away with as much as they can simply because the media, the mainstream media, has backed them and has brainwashed people who might otherwise ask questions into just siding with anybody at all and never asking questions as long as they oppose Trump. I mean, that's it. That, that, that's it. This is such an obvious, corrupt operation going on, just like Joe Biden is. And I think if Joe Biden, Hunter Biden and all of that and the history of all of it and Fannie Willis and her history, I've known she's been corrupt for a while because I live in Georgia. This is no surprise to me. This is a surprise to uh, other. I was probably not surprised to anybody who questions things, but. It's just she's a she's the person you're going to go to, and if if this stuff was seen in isolation of of ideology or presidential race, if you took Trump completely out of the picture, and everybody was just looking at these individuals and their operations, I, I think it would be hard for people to not see the corruption. I think people would see the corruption. I think they would ask questions. I think they would say, wait a minute, is your son compromised? I, I don't think they would spend all their time saying, well, I didn't vote for Hunter Biden. I voted for Joe Biden, acting like they don't understand that it's not as drug use, Hunters, that people are, are, are worried about. It's the fact that he was on drugs being led around Las Vegas for months by unnamed Russians. And honeypots, and that he might be compromised. Like people, people just act like that's not real. People just act like Biden did. It's not written in Joe's daughter's diary that they showered together, and when she was like fourteen, causing her some problems as an adult. This is not something that's ever been denied. If this is denied and not true, I, I, I will apologize for ever mentioning it. But I actually never even brought it up until after it was revealed. And then there was audio, I think, from Project Veritas from Joe's daughter asking for the diary back. Nobody's ever denied it. And everybody knows he's creepy. But because they create this divide and rule situation, they keep people focused on other citizens who they stereotype as being MAGA Trump, who they've been programmed to hate and vice versa. When all of this is designed to prevent us from looking outward at the people who are actually manipulating us. It's really crazy to me. And I think this story, I think Fannie Willis, there's a lot of corruption that goes on in Georgia. I I have seen it. I think the Kasim Reed at one point won, he was given an award by an organization that does all these awards for corruption. It's probably not an award that he wanted, but he, he was awarded the most corrupt mayor in the country. 
And, you know, he, he was also part of the 100 mayors program with one of these global, with the UN or something like that. People who are attracted to power are attracted to corruption. It's unfortunate. It's better at the local level where you can vote people in who are good people. It, it, people will get to the higher levels. They try to compromise. You need a Ron Paul. Ron Paul, I don't know what happened in Ron Paul's personal life. He seems like someone who is uncompromised. I think they can't get to everybody. They get to most people, I believe. I think most people who seek higher office probably seek it because they want to get all, all the honeypots. They probably want to have sex with all the spies. They probably want all of that. That's probably why they're there. And it's just so crazy to me how someone who, if you know their background beforehand, and it might not be so great, can emerge onto the national scene as someone trying to get Trump and be presented as some sort of angel. Would anybody who knows who they are are going, this is not an angel. Just look into this person. Look into this person. Do some actual research. Be willing to violate your own confirmation bias. Create a little cognitive dissonance. Embrace it. And learn that they might not be so great. And just because they're not great doesn't mean you have to love the person they're prosecuting. It just means it's a little bit of a gray area. This, this whole either or by it pisses me off and I'm rambling. I'm absolutely rambling. I need to get back to what I'm talking about here. Okay. Oh, last thing on this, by the way. And this is great. I, I think this is hilarious personally. <laughs> so the motion that was filed also revealed that Fannie Willis will be deposed for Wade, the guy she hired, for his divorce case. So she's gonna she's be she has to do a deposition. She was subpoenaed to be to do a deposition, and her deposition is at the end of January for this dude's divorce case. And this dude, he was offered his special counsel role, which he accepted the day before he filed for divorce. The opposite, the opposition research people that Trump or whoever has on her are good. But maybe she's just been laying it out there for years. I think that's the case because I've been in Georgia. I've seen stories about her. She's not somebody to trust. Moving on. It's a little more lighthearted. I actually think that's good. Expose this corruption. Please expose it. And then let us decide what to do with it. It's up to us. Most of my friends have become more reasonable and more open to questions. A few have become more radical. I'd be interested in knowing what you guys have experienced in your personal relationships. For me, it's been kind of a good turn. Uh, I know there are a few, uh, there are a few though, who it's, uh, I just I scratch my head at and like, God, what, uh, what is going on? It, it just, I always think like, is there some woman? <laughs> Not to not to be misogynistic, but the friends that I know that are still have gotten more radical, they have girlfriends who are more radical than they are, and I'm like, I I just don't know if you'd be this radical if you didn't think you were going to get 
get laid being this radical. That's what it feels like to me. What, I, what do I know? Anyway, this is the saddest story of the day for me. I'm very sad about this story. Judge Judy has let me down. You guys know Judge Judy, the reality television show judge. The whippersnapper. She's 81 years old. She's a firecracker. Still, still a firecracker. I mean, I was watching her newest show, Judy Justice. Judy Justice recently. And, and I'm going, this woman's 81 years old. I mean, she's got so much energy. She's not like hot, but, but man, the, the woman has so much energy. It impressed me. And now to hear that she came out yesterday and endorsed Nikki Haley, it broke my heart. Judge Judy endorsed Nikki Haley yesterday. It's heartbreaking. She said that she's proud to endorse Nikki Haley because she says Nikki is whip smart, has executive credentials, and was a superb governor. She also called Haley principled, measured, and said that Haley has the elusive quality of common sense. Mm, I don't know about that one. Finally, my once favorite reality television show judge. She said that I truly think that Nikki Haley can restore America, and I believe she is the future of this great nation. I, I just, I was devastated. I love Judge Judy. I love Judge Judy. She, she I feel like Judge Judy sometimes when I am not being as disciplined as I should be, I, I, I wish that Judge Judy could just appear, like poof into, and say, and just, you know, get, you know, wave her finger in my face and tell me to do what's right. And I would do it because it's Judge Judy. Not anymore. I, I, I have now lost all faith in the judgment of Judge Judy. And, I think that maybe we should reevaluate some of those cases that she overruled or ruled over because perhaps her judgment wasn't as sharp as I thought it was. I, I trusted her too much. It's just a disappointing endorsement to me. Who gives a shit? Nikki Haley is so awful. So Judge Judy, though, it is funny. So her new show is called Judy Justice, and she doesn't actually act as a judge on the show because I was kind of like perplexed when I found this out. She sits, she has the judge's robe on, and she sits in the same place as a judge does, and everybody comes into court, and they have their little battle just like they always do. But when you see the, the fine print that they, they run either, I think it's after the show. You see they're after before. But it's very quick, and you learn that these aren't actually legally binding decisions that she's making. She's acting as a mediator is what she's doing for television. It's all for show. So they don't have to accept anything she says, but it's still called Judy justice. They don't call her judge Judy because she's not actually judge on the show. She's Judy justice and her show is on freebie, which is a streaming network. So th that's where she's uh, getting her content out there. Nikki Haley is being endorsed by a freebie star. I think that's about as quality as you're going to get for Nikki Haley. Moving on. X announced three new contract deals yesterday. One with Tulsi Gabbard, another with Jim Rome, the sports guy, and a third with 
former CNN anchor, Don Lemon. Don Lemon to X. Let's take a second. What are your thoughts? There's been rumors of this. What do you think about Don Lemon becoming an X creator? And there's no doubt he's getting paid well for it. The Don Lemon Show will have three 30-minute episodes per week, similar to Tucker. I don't know if that's what Tucker does, but it feels like that's what Tucker does. He's going to be covering politics, culture, sports, and entertainment. And Lemon actually actually released a, a, a statement on X. So Don Lemon, unlike everybody else, he hasn't quit X, and we can see why. But he made a post announcing his new show, and this is what his post said. He said, I've heard you, and today I'm back, bigger, bolder, and freer. My new media company's first project is The Don Lemon Show. It will be available to everyone easily, wherever and whenever you want it, streaming on the platforms where the conversations are happening. And you'll find it first on X, the biggest space for free speech in the world. That's what Don Lemon said. X, the biggest space for free speech in the world. I know now more than ever that we need a place for honest debate and discussion without the hall monitors. This is just the beginning, so stay tuned. That's what he posted announcing this new show of his, which is an interesting statement to make, especially when you compare it to the statement that he made to a local news affiliate after he was fired from CNN last April. Here's what he told them about his departure from CNN. He said, back in April, after getting fired, I don't believe in platforming liars and bigots and insurrectionists and election deniers and putting them on the same footing as people who are telling the truth, people who are fighting for what's right, people who are abiding by the Constitution. That would be a dereliction of journalistic duty. That is a very interesting you know, comparison of statements there. Because you can question the election on X, right now anyway. You can be what others would call, you know, a bigot on, on X right now anyway. It, it's interesting that it didn't work out for him on CNN because he doesn't believe in platforming bigots and liars. But now he's hoping that it will work out on X a company that his previous employer, and probably him while he was working there, uh, say that platforms biggest and liars. I mean, I mean, this is the narrative around X, and here, here Don Lemon is. So what's Don Lemon going to do? I think this will be a very interesting development. A and also, to me, kind of exposes the WWE nature of all of this. Like, is Cuomo going to pull a, or not Cuomo, is Don Lemon going to pull a Cuomo and kind of flip on many of his positions, right? Is he going to go do an interview with Tucker Carlson, who they used to just say awful things about each other on the opposing networks? And is it going to be, well, they made me do it type thing, and now we're buddies and we're fist bumping? I kind of have a feeling that that is what it might be. Like there's a video going around on X right now which has got to put Don Lemon in a weird position. I don't know if he's responded to it, but it's like Don Lemon with his top five advice to black people, black guys, I think specifically. 
And I don't know how long ago it was, but the context of the, the tweet anyway says it's before the Trump era. And Don Lemon is telling black people, he's pulling a Bill Cosby basically and telling black people to pull up their pants. And he's saying, throw trash away. And this is on CNN years ago. Don Lemon, if he were on CNN, could say that he's being smeared out of context here. But he's on X, and this is where this is sharing. And I'm just wondering what kind of Don Lemon we're going to see. And I bet that Tucker brings him on as a guest, kind of like he brought, was it uh, Frank, what was it called from Kevin, Frank Underwood, a.k.a. Kevin Spacey, I think Tucker's going to bring Don on because Tucker, after Don announced his new show, the very, the first, he retweeted it and he said, congratulations, it's a new world. Welcome. Congratulations, says Tucker, it's a new world. Welcome. To which Lemon replied, thank you, or thanks, Tucker. I'm torn, you know, because it's like, is it good to see people make amends? Because these two used to say awful things about each other. Or, or have they never really been at odds? And this is just pure WWE. This is pure performance. Your job is to just, you know, say awful stuff about that network. And your job is to say awful stuff about that network because we know you guys don't dislike each other, but we need you guys to cause the people that watch you and trust you to dislike each other and fight with each other. That's probably what it is. Finally, and then we'll get out of here. What time is it? All right, it's 6.30. Get that off screen. All right, so David Grush, the UFO whistleblower, the very trustworthy UFO, UFO whistleblower, is back in the news as... He held a secret meeting. David Grush is the guy who did that long expose who triggered all of these congressional hearings about UAPs and biologics and all that. It's a big psyop. He held a secret meeting recently in New York City with a group of 60 people that included Wall Street bigwigs, CIA agents. This is according to Daily Mail, and they say they have proof of it. And they saying Daily Mail is the most trustworthy organization in the world. But they say they have confirmed it. I think David Grush would love to hear that he's in the news. CIA agents, FBI agents, tech entrepreneurs, and the and Department of Homeland Security officials, they were all at the meeting. And at this meeting, Grush claimed that the U.S. is in possession of a craft that he says is 40 feet in length on the outside. But when you step inside of it, it's the size of a football field. It's the TARDIS. It's the TARDIS from Doctor Who. That's what he's describing. The government is in possession of fictional Doctor Who's TARDIS, according to this story. Rush also told this group, and then there's some pictures here and show you his presentation, that the craft could manipulate both space and time, and it could harness enough energy to power 70,000 homes. 70,000 homes. So... These crafts, these UAPs, are, are, are climate-friendly power generators for your entire city that also happen to be time travel machines. It's like you go outside to turn on the lights, you hit the wrong button, and all of a sudden, you're in the year 1640. Charles I is your king. 
Uh, all you want to do is get the lights back on, but now you're the subject uh, uh, of the British Empire. I mean, and repurposing doesn't always go the way you hope it does when it's a time machine you try to turn into a generator. Anyway, here's a photo of Grush looking very sophisticated. And he's got his presentation behind him, right? And it looks to me in this image, because this is a leaked image. There were supposed to be no photographs, but somebody took one and damn it, these bastards leaked it. There's a whistleblower leaking photos of the whistleblower. And it looks like he's showing off to this crowd his computer's pre-installed space-themed screensaver. Is that not what this looks like? It's, I mean, this is one of these zigzaggy, spacey, weird screensavers that everybody's computer comes with. That's what this looks like. It's like, he, it's like he'd never seen one of these before. And then he opened up his computer one day, found this screensaver, and thought, oh my gosh, somebody's hacked my computer and left me evidence of non-human intelligence. These are the biologics. And now he's showing the screensavers to everybody who is in attendance here. It says in the article that the only information about the meeting was leaked by an anonymous attendee who took pictures. And uh, as I said, the Daily Mail claims, oh, so this is interesting. Daily Mail claims that they have verified that the event here was hosted by Coinbase top advisor, John Agnostino, which I haven't looked that guy's background up. I need to do that. It's also hosted by an attorney named John J. Altaria. And that the two men host monthly events at a penthouse apartment focusing on different subjects, which tells me that Grush is like the entertainment at a monthly party for spies and really rich people is what it seems like. But according to the leaker, the idea was to get a group of both skeptics and believers from all different walks of life for a talk regarding David and the things that he said. And they say that most of the people who left, left as believers. Do you believe that? I don't. Nothing that this guy says is credible to me. And I'm someone who believes in UFOs. I don't believe a word this MFR says, though. I mean, not a word of it. It says, while the exact questions are not known, it's believed that those in attendance asked what aliens may look like and where they, where they are from in the universe and this is me throwing this in, they almost no doubt asked if they were bangable. Grush shared that the world would not be surprised to hear that extraterrestrials look like the typical gray and that there is also a chance that they are extra dimensional. He always says that weird shit. And he said that it could be, it could also just seem, it could also just seem this way because of the technology they use rather than them being actual extra-dimensional beings. It's such a weird, convoluted statement. It sounds like he's basically saying these extraterrestrials or extra-dimensional beings might use technology to project themselves into a form that we understand as humans so that we can communicate with them or they with us. That's what it seems like it says to me. Operation Bluebeam is what a lot of people might say to that. Grush also said, that he and other officials were taught how to track UAPs in the atmosphere, that there was a unique frequency or signature that the crafts they use give off, which is interesting because Grush still says he's never seen any of them. So is this technique awful? 
or, or does he just suck at using it? I'm so irritated by this psyop because I really like searching for aliens. I love X-Files. I love the idea of life being out there. I want to believe. I don't believe. I don't believe anything this MFR says. Not to say that everything he says is false, but that he is someone who is so clearly an operative trying to organize whoever, distract. There's definitely something coming with this psyop. There was some mention in this article about how China and maybe Russia might announce that they have extraterrestrial technology before us, that they're in a race to do it. So it's a, it's a, it's not the space race. It's a, we have, we have the biologics in the UAPs race and that the fear among Intel officers in the U S is that China or Russia or one of our other adversaries will be the first one to demonstrate to the world, the technologies they have that they have uh, reverse engineered from the UAPs. This is always going to go back to China. This was always going to be a World War III narrative, in my opinion. And with that said, before we get out of here, there's another story about how, I mean, there's multiple, it's always, they always come in themes. There's another story about how members of the House Oversight Committee will be receiving this week on January 12th, so Friday, class, a classified briefing on these unidentified anomalous phenomena, the UAPs. It says the briefing will be limited to committee members and given by the Office of the Inspector General and in the Intelligence Community. And it was a response to a letter that was sent by some of those people we see demanding transparency in the news all the time. I can't remember their names. Demanding that they be open which is, you know, just another way to say transparency, obviously. But that is what it caused this meeting. And my guess is that we learn nothing new from it. They're not going to see anything. They're never going to see anything. I mean, they're just not. It's just stupid. It's never going to be like, all right, we give in. Here are the spaceships. They're right here. Let me introduce you to uh, uh, some weird, you know, here's a space, here's a biologic Come speak into the microphone, Mr. Biologic. You're a non-human intelligent being. Come say something to the American people. Th that's just not going to happen. They would never do that. If they ever truly discovered aliens or, or UAPs or non-human intelligence, they would not tell the broader public. It would have to be the UAPs or the non-human intelligent people or whatever the F they are that told us. Because the second that we learned about it, it would just completely undermine all of the power that our government and that the world leaders have over the rest of the planet. Because we would realize how weak that they actually are. So they would never tell us. So stupid. It's just an obvious conditioning thing going on here. It pisses me off. Okay, so finally, and this is a lot, because they come in waves, these stories. There is a UFO journalist, Jeremy Corbell, you might be familiar with him. He's released footage of what he is calling a jellyfish UAP. 
that he says was spotted in Iraq in 2018. And the video was apparently taken at a U.S. joint operations base in Iraq. And according to Corbell, the object is officially designated a UAP by the Pentagon. The Pentagon has officially designated that. And the footage was taken with thermographic forward-looking infrared radar. I've played the clip multiple occasions on this show of the woman giving the, the talk at Georgia Tech who works for DARPA, who says, I can only say so much because the information I know is classified, but I work with the Cognitive uh, Electronic uh, Warfare Group. And here's what we can accomplish with Cognitive Electronic Warfare. One of the things they can accomplish is they can make blips on radars, on infrared radars, they can make it look like people are seeing things that they aren't. They can make it look like things appear or things are elsewhere. They can just fabricate stuff. And the second I heard that, the second I said, this to me is one potential explanation for any potential blip on a radar that someone is telling you is a UFO. And that doesn't mean that it is necessarily cognitive electronic warfare. But to me, if the people saying that this is definitely a UFO or a UAP, it's definitive proof, are saying that without telling you why it's not cognitive electronic warfare. Like if they're just ignoring that, then I can't believe them. I need to be explained why it's not this other perfectly reasonable explanation. And I've never heard any explanation about cognitive electronic warfare. That's why... I hate it when it's a blip on a radar. It says that the object moved through a sensitive military installation before moving over water where it began in what Corbell described as a controlled descent before submerging. This is always going to be going to the oceans. The uh, Titanic submersible was a signal to that. I still stand by my prediction that that will be connected to this whole narrative. I, I still stand by that. I think it absolutely will. I think that Eventually, they will say the Titanic submersible was destroyed by a underwater UAP, in my opinion. And the article goes on to say that those familiar with the footage who, or who witnessed the event, they say the UAP was not observable at night. It appeared to jam the targeting capability of the op, uh, optical platform and display positive lift without usual means of lift. Who understands all of this? Th these are just... This is just garbage. So the, the, these revelations were made in a new TMZ documentary titled TMZ Presents UFO Revolution. <laughs> it's like, how do you spell credibility? TMZ. Not that they're any less credible than CNN or Washington Post. To give them credit. And I'll watch this. I will definitely watch this. But if they do not factor in cognitive electronic warfare, they're not serious. It's nothing but an absolute psyop, man. All right. Okay, that, I think that's where I'm going to wrap up the regular show today. I've gone much longer than I intended, as I always do. And I am going to do a little bit of an XR where we're going to talk about uh, Russians who are getting arrested for putting socks on their penises. And if we have time, we will get in to a Wall Street Journal article about the fall of ESG 
That's what we're going to do in the XR. If you want to get access to that, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. Subscribe there today. What you'll get along with that extra content is you will get the DMB, this show, ad-free. I take out all the ads for subscribers. I put it together with the uh, subscriber-only content, and it goes into your own personal private RSS feed that you can pop into any podcast player that you listen to. Check me out on propagandafight.com. It's my website, youtube.com slash Brad Binkley, rumble.com slash prop report, Freedom Act Radio on Twitter. Hope you guys are having a wonderful January, a wonderful 2024. Thank you for tuning in, those who tuned in. Thank you for your clap when I'm gone. I, I appreciate you hanging out live with me early in this AM. And we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow night at 9 p.m., me and definitely fake Trump and maybe Ian as well will be doing live commentary on the awful, awful GOP debate between DeSantis and Nikki Haley. So stay tuned for that, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day. All right, remove that. And remove that. Okay, this is the Drive Time News Blast XR. I am Brad Binkley. And a couple quick stories here. Let me get this off screen. I'm not even going to show you the jelly. Here's the jellyfish thing. I meant to show this in the regular show, but I didn't know if it would actually pull up. So here it is. Hopefully this works. Jellyfish UAP video reveals strange object in Iraq. Let's see if it works. Can you guys? Nope. Can you hear that? Famous footage. Let's take that back. All right, here we go. The current UFO renaissance was sparked by this now famous footage, the 2004 Tic Tac encountered by naval aviators from the USS Nimitz. Well, tonight, there's another video that is sending shockwaves through the UFO community. Stunning new footage of a purported UAP, or unidentified aerial phenomenon, as UFOs are now called. It resembles a jellyfish flying in the sky. Its tentacles dangling, I guess, in the air. This what Do you see that? It's ridiculous. It looks like a cat. Doesn't it look like a cat floating across the screen? This video was released by UFO expert Jeffrey Corbell on his X page. Corbell says it was shot by the military using thermal imaging cameras as this, <laughs> whatever it is, flew over a U.S. military base in Iraq. This is a thing they say could only be caught by certain cameras. This floating dead cat. It looks like a floating stuffed animal of a cat is what it looks like to me. To be clear, News Nation has not independently verified the authenticity of the video and other videos like it's this ridiculous. have been debunked in the past. Bottom line is we don't know what this thing is or what it isn't right now. But we have reached out to the Pentagon for comment. News Nation senior national correspondent so Brian Enton has been delving into it all afternoon. He joins us now. Uh, and so I see this Brian Enton guy who did a lot of great reporting on the Idaho 4 true crime murder story about a year ago. And he's got the serious face. And then you bring him on for a story like this after showing a floating stuffed animal or, or a dead cat. I just like, unless he is about to just question the credibility of any of this, I, I can't trust anything he says anymore. Uh, what can you tell us more about the circumstances of how this video was recorded and what time of day it was and how long this thing was flying around? What time of day it was.
Yeah, Elizabeth, it certainly doesn't look like some of the other videos of no. UFOs that we've seen. Uh, Corbell says, right, this, the footage uh, is from... That, that looked like a joke. I mean, it looked like something that somebody edited on a, like a childish editing program. October of 2018, it was at a United States uh, Joint Operations Base taken in Iraq. And it was taken <laughs> at night it's using a military real. thermal camera. And you can, you can see when you look at it why the object has been nicknamed the jellyfish. Because it, it might as well have been a rock-hard throbbing cock that, that was floating through the sky. It might as well get that ridiculous. Just show me a cock floating, floating through the sky and call it evidence of, uh, of aliens. As it does sort of look like a jellyfish, sort of with those tentacles there. You can see it floating across the sky as it reportedly moved above the military base. Now, it then moved over a body of water. Wait, wait, wait. This is where it gets interesting. uh, Hold on. Sorry. I don't mean to go all the way back to the beginning of this, but I want to see that thing. The current U.S. encountered by naval aviators called... It resembles a jellyfish flying as fluid. Other videos like this have been debunked in the past. Bottom line is we Nobody's don't know what, debunked this this one, this what it is right now. But we have reached out to the Pentagon for comment. News Nation senior national correspondent Brian Enton has been delving into it all afternoon. He joins us now. Uh, what can you tell us more about the circumstances of how this video was recorded and what time of day it was and how long this thing was flying around? Yeah, Elizabeth, it certainly doesn't look like some of the other videos of no. UFOs that we've seen. Uh, Corbell says, right, this, uh, the footage uh, is from October of 2018. It was that? at a this United States uh, joint operations base taken in Iraq, and it was taken at night using, transformer? using a military thermal camera. And you can, you can see. So is it just, is it flying through the trees right now? Because it looks like it's going through trees and maybe buildings here. See when you look at it, why the object? It looks so superimposed. Object has been nicknamed the jellyfish because it does sort of look like a a jelly. Look at that dog down there. Jellyfish, sort of with those tentacles there. You can see it floating across the sky (laughs) as it reportedly moved above the military (laughs) base. It then moved over a body of water. Does anybody think that that's a a real? Given I don't know what an alien would look like or a UAP. I've said many, many times that I don't think any of us would know what an alien or a UAP would look like or whatever. I didn't know what a UAP was, but I, I don't think that they're going to come to us in the form that we think that they would. I, I think that they would come to us in a form that we don't even recognize. If they have that much, if they're that much more advanced in their technology, I think that we wouldn't know if an alien was in front of us. We would, they could be right in front of us right now. It could be one. It could be three of them next to me right now, next to you. I don't think we would have any idea because I don't think we would be able to see them unless they wanted us to. I certainly don't believe they're going to be zooming across the freaking sky looking like a dead cat I mean, you know what that looks like to me? It looks like a puppet of a, like a a cat or something that is, the strings are attached to a zip line. And it looks like it's just being ziplined 
down and somebody's filming it. Does this not look like a zip line? Like, let me take that back and say, look, that's what it looks like. This is where it yeah, gets that's interesting. That's According a to uh, Jeremy Corbell, it descended into the water this is uh, where it was fully submerged. There's absolutely somebody filmed that on the zip line. Now, whether they know this is fake or not, I, I don't know. But but I can't. That's definitely a zip line. For 17 minutes. Ended into look at this shit. This is absolutely fucking and moved line. when you look at it. That's a why fucking the object line. has been nicknamed the jellyfish because it does sort of look like a, a jellyfish, <laughs> sort of with those tentacles there. You can see it. It has no life. The- it's just like floating there. That's a fucking zip line, and that's like some sort of weird puppet hanging on a zip sky line. as it reportedly moved above the military base. Now it then moved over a body. It's got of legs. Water. This, what, what kind of UAP or UFO has fucking dangling legs? This is a zip line. This is where it gets interesting. Fuck According to uh, Jeremy Corbell, it descended off. into the water uh, where it was fully submerged for 17 oh, yeah. minutes. This was also caught on video, apparently, uh, before coming back, back out of the water and shooting off uh, at a high rate of speed. Of course, they're not going to show us that. They're only going to show us the alien on the fucking zip line. UFO researcher who obtained the video who we've been talking about, Jeremy Corbell. Uh, he is the same Fucking person break. who first uh, was able to uncover the Tic Tac video and reported on it, which was verified by the military uh, as real, which is one of the reasons uh, so many people are looking this. at this video uh, so closely. Uh, that Tic Tac video, you mentioned it. It's from 2004. It was shot uh, by fighter pilots, and it shows what sort of looks like a Tic Tac-like object. Uh, that the pilots could not explain that they saw. These people are talking seriously. They're they're being very serious. This guy has a very nice suit and tie on. And they're very these TikTok shaped, uh, they're TikTok shaped crafts, and uh, this other jellyfish like craft that, that zooming across the sky is. It, it's very obviously. There's so so many questions that any reasonable person would ask, and and they the journalists they ask none of them. Not one of them, because they're not journalists. No, no journalist is a journalist. No fucking journalist is a journalist. They're all fucking cock-sucking con artists. And this is coming from somebody who studied journalism and economics in college. A lot better at journalism than I am economics. Not, not the cock-sucking they're doing, but I, have, I at least know enough to know they're full of shit just like you guys do. Their greatest skill, these people, is to be able to talk seriously and treat subjects seriously that they know is complete and utter bullshit. Uh, In the air that was shot with their military cameras. Again, this latest video, the jellyfish, not verified by the government. We have reached out to the Pentagon, uh, but as of now, have not gotten a response. And with that Tic Tac video, Elizabeth, it took years uh, for the Pentagon to finally acknowledge that it was a real video. Fuck you. Fuck both of them. And they're fucking, oh, that's shocking faces. They don't believe any of this. These are the stupidest videos I've ever seen. Uh, And the pilots were silenced for a long time initially uh, from talking out about it. I am not. I I don't want to be misunderstood because I think that aliens exist. I just think that this is stupid. And I don't believe these people. These people who have done nothing but lie to society as their job. And they have done it with straight faces and seemingly without any feeling of guilt. They have just blatantly lied. We have seen these people in the media 
go on one network, say the most obviously provable bullshit, uh, disprovable bullshit. Don Lemon, Chris Cuomo, Jake Tapper, Jake Tapper, all of them. Easily disprovable, the shit that they say. Brian Stelter. Gone on to other networks, at least in the case of Cuomo, and now Lemon. And we've seen Cuomo just completely change who he is. Completely. And, and we will see Don Lemon do the same. He will have to do the same. Don Lemon can't be the same person he was on CNN because it won't fly uh, on X. Not that it'll get kicked off, but it, he will get community note checked brutally and mocked brutally. So he's going to have to change. And the, these players change teams and do we accept it? I think is a question. Tucker. So Tucker used to be, he used to work for CNN. I think, and no, I know MSNBC and everybody knows his dad's history. His dad was a, a major propagandist for the government. So he learned from the best And Tucker. Look, Tucker's obviously a propagandist. Tucker says a lot of things I agree with. It really does. Tucker, he was talking about or opposing the Ukraine aid on Fox News. I, I knew long before Tucker got kicked off. I, I said it on the show. I said, Tucker's not going to be allowed to keep saying that stuff on the show. I, I didn't know if he would stop saying it or if he would get kicked off, but he got kicked off. Now, maybe that was planned and that was strategic. It, it's like you think you're thinking ahead of these guys, but sometimes maybe they're thinking ahead of you. But then Tucker goes on and he's doing his thing on X. He's become kind of a big influencer on X. And I, for me, it's like all of these people, you know, these people switching platforms and these people making claims from these networks like News Nation, where they have this illusion of credibility, is they tell us, and they do this in media literacy courses, to trust the trusted sources. <laughs> the trusted sources. And I think that's the worst advice that anybody could ever give. And they know that because if you just blindly trust people you identify with and trust because, because you identify with them, then that is what Deep Throat in X-Files, I think season one, it, it follows that principle. The best way to tell a lie is sandwiched between two truths. They get these figures to present themselves in certain ways on certain platforms that identify with certain people they say things that those people like and they agree with. And then the more they do it, the more people who agree with them let their guard down. And as people let their guard down, that's when they then start slipping in the lies. And then they might follow some of those lies up with a little bit of truth in case they start to question some of those lies. But to me, that has always been exactly why, no matter how much you trust a source, even it's me, like I tell people, like I... I've actually broke some stuff nationally that I've got no credit for when it comes to Stacey Abrams and some other stories on WSB because they didn't want it to come out. Don't trust me. Do not trust me. I, I, I'm, not going, I'm not going to intentionally lie to people, but I might get stuff wrong. Absolutely. Like, these people tell you the opposite. They say, always trust me. Never fucking investigate. And... 
That's what they rely on. That's why my principle has always been, I don't care how much I like or dislike some individual giving me information. I'm going to focus on the information and I'm going to analyze the information that they're giving me because I know that they demonize people, for instance, like Putin or, or, or Trump or whoever, because they might tell. So just because Putin's evil, then everything he says is wrong. That's not true. Exactly goes back to like some of the things that were released in 2016, even though it didn't come from Putin. It came from WikiLeaks, but they attached it to Putin. It's all bullshit. Look at the content. Do not blindly trust. You guys know that. You guys, I'm preaching to the choir here. I know that. But it's so easy to fall into that trap of, well, they said it so it's wrong or they said it so it's right. When, yes, that should be a factor in the analysis, but the content, which is what they don't want you to look at. It's such a, it's an, an inoculation technique. And they write about this in, in their, their papers at the World Economic Forum and CFR. Inoculation, for, they, they compare to the vaccine to the virus of disinformation. And we need to inoculate people from disinformation by demonizing the sources that it comes from and, you know, uplifting and building trust in the, you know, the sources they, that control the information, which is interesting to me because I, I've talked about this for a few years now. And those who've listened for a while will remember this is the World Economic Forum has been focused on trying to rebuild the trust they have lost for so long. I've played this clip multiple times on the show from a World Economic Forum from a couple of years ago where they talk about how nobody in society trusts them anymore. The elites of the world are more united than they've ever been, but they're also more distrusted by the, the, the people of the world than ever before. And if they are going to be able to bring their great reset for you know bring it forward make it make it real then they have to win back the trust of the public and what is interesting is that the davos that's coming up here in a second not in a second a couple weeks or next week actually is actually the theme of it let me find the notes the theme of that davos is rebuilding trust that's the theme of the entire davos is rebuilding trust so that they can then manipulate people more freely without the questions, the pesky questions that come to mind. And I've always been of the position that, look, it's okay to question people that you like. It's perfectly fine. You should. Please question people you like. That's how you validify it because you because you look at the the content which is what they don't want people looking at fuck them man fuck them i've gone completely off the rails so i'm gonna do one more thing here and then i'm gonna get out of here from my uh it's not as off the rails as i go sometimes when i do the early morning shows but i will do the one story kind of do the lighter mood final story of the xr is Second Russian performer detained for sock on penis stunt. That's the headline. Second Russian performer detained for sock on penis stunt. Second. What, what comes to mind immediately? What's the sock on penis stunt? It's like somebody getting caught masturbating. What, what is it? 
Story says a Russian singer has been detained for appearing before a concert audience wearing nothing but a sock on his penis. Weeks after a rapper was jailed for doing the same at a Moscow party that caused a national scandal. Some dude shows up at a concert with a sock on his dick. It causes a national scandal. There's probably other things to focus on. Story goes on to say that Maxim Telsey, the front man of a band called Sikni, the puppies in translation. So is a front man of a band called the puppies. He was detained at the St. Petersburg airport and the state news agency, TASS, uh, they reported that Fontanka said he had been charged with petty hoo- hooliganism. So that's a crime in Russia is hooliganism. So last month, the first incident was a guy named N- Nikola Vasilev, who was a rapper. And he was jailed for 15 days and fined 200,000 rubles, which is $2,181 for what they described as propaganda of non-traditional sexual relations after he used a sock to hide his penis at an almost naked party at a Moscow nightclub. What were the what was the dress code there? Uh, that's what I would like to know. Also, propaganda, what he was charged with propaganda of a non-traditional sexual relation. You could charge half of the country in America of, of that type of crime right now. The event provoked a powerful backlash at the time when Russia is waging war, it says, in Ukraine, and authorities are promoting an increasingly conservative social agenda. So it goes against the agenda to run around with a sock on your dick. Many of the stars who attended this party, the sock on the dick party, have since issued public apologies. And Russian media have reported that the rapper's initial 15-day sentence was later extended, extended. By another 10 days, that he has been issued with a summons to appear at a military conscription office. He's got to go to a, a, a military conscription office. He's like, you, you went out in public with a sock on your dick. You're joining the military. You got to go fight the war in Ukraine. I mean, that's a pretty bad punishment. I don't know what truth there is into that story. I don't think anybody who showed up at a concert in the United States with a sock on their dick and that's it. I don't think that they would be punished at all. They certainly certainly would not be conscripted into the military. I think they'd be brought on stage and celebrated, especially if they were a woman. If they were a woman in the U.S. with a sock and their really big penis, they would be brought up on stage and celebrated, and anybody in the audience who refused to have sexual intercourse with that female with a giant penis who has a sock on their dick would then be taken off to a concentration camp for bigots and MAGA. That, that, that's what would happen over here. Over there, you got to join the military over there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's just, it's a kind of a weird protest, though. People have all these protests they do where some people hold up a paper sign some people, maybe they paint their face or they, they do these symbols of solidarity. Don't make your symbol of solidarity going out naked in public with a sock on your cock. That, that, that's not a good symbol of solidarity. 
Okay, that's not going to last long. And if it does, you don't want to be around. You don't, you don't want to be surrounded by thousands of people who are butt naked with socks in their cock. And what are women going to do? Yeah, I mean, trans women, we know what they'll do. But what will real women actually do? They, they, how do they protest this? You can't. It's very, very misogynistic and exclusive to have a protest that, that depends on being able to have a sock on your cock. That's all I'm saying. That's where I'm going to wrap up the show. Sock on your cock. Thank you for watching and listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. Tonight, 9 o'clock, live stream. We're going to be mocking the debate. Have a fantastic rest of your day.